The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Sure. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Councilmember Scott Benson. Scott Benson, aye. Councilmember Mary Waters. Present. You have a quorum present, Madam Chair. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Given that we have a quorum, I'll move us now into the approval of our minutes. We did receive our minutes from our last session on Monday, January 30th. Is there a motion to approve our minutes from our last session? Motion. Are there any objections? Hearing none, our minutes will be approved. Briefly today for chair remarks, just wanna let everybody know we have a number of public hearings this morning. So what we're going to do is we're gonna do general public comment first. I will be cutting off general public comment at 10.05. This is not normal, but again, we have a packed agenda with public hearings. So if you're here for a public comment, a general public comment, or if you're online for a general public comment, please raise your hand now. I will be leaving the um, public comment open until 10.05. So if you're online, please raise your hand now if you're here to make a general public comment. If you would like to make a public comment regarding one of our five public hearings this morning, please leave your hand lowered. What I'll be doing is as we start our public hearings, I will be reading off the description for each ordinance introduction. I'll briefly turn it over to law to give us a a brief explanation of what these changes are to the ordinances so that our public um, is on track with the uh, discussions that we're having um, and and for you to raise your hands if you do have a public comment to make regarding that public hearing. Again, we have uh, five of them this morning. I will try my very best to keep us all organized, Um, but we will begin now with our general public comment. We'll begin with people that we have here in person. I see Bob Carmack is here with us. If you wanna go right ahead and take a seat, take a mic. And then, yes, Duncan, how many how, mon- how many hands do we have raised so far for general public comment? Madam Chair, at this time, there are six hands raised. Since we have six hands raised, we'll do a minute and a half since we have um, a lot to discuss this morning. So everyone's gonna have a minute and a half. Again, apologies, folks, we usually do two minutes. Um, but I'm trying to ensure that we get through our agenda in a timely manner. <clears throat> Bob, whenever you're ready. Uh, my name is Robert Carmack, and I was coming to, to your committee because you're in Southwest and you're with public safety. The Revere Dock that fell into the river, right? Mr. Benson was on that committee with planning development with Gabe Leland and they sold that property to uh, Erickson and Harry Warner, and they were supposed to put $8 million a piece in that property. They didn't put the money in. The seawall fell into the river. All the contaminants, $20 million environmental, lead hazards, asbestos, nuclear waste fell into the river, went into all the drinking water of, from downriver, southwest Detroit, and so forth. Erickson is responsible for that property. He was supposed to do it, and so was Harry Warner. There's three outfalls that go on the property. I drove by just this weekend. 
There's $48 million that the City of Detroit Water Department's paying to replace the outfalls on the property that fell into the river because of Erickson and Harry Warner. Let me tell you something. Gabe Leland took bribes on this land deal. That committee took bribes. It's on federal FBI reports. That was a bad deal. It was corrupt. People's houses have been raided. They ain't raided for nothing. That was a bad land deal with people that should voted on contracts that shouldn't have voted, that got enriched to vote, get their vote. I, I need an investigation. You can't put the city water department money in Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. I did also receive your email. Thank you for coming in regarding Thank this you. issue. We appreciate it. No problem. My public comments, <clears throat> excuse me, folks. Public comment is now cut off. General public comment is now cut off. Before we, we continue, uh, Vice Chair. All right, thank you. I just want to make it very clear that this Councilman Scott Benson does not sell property to anybody that's owned by the City of Detroit. City Council, as a whole, votes to authorize the sale of property. So there is not one, no two, no three council persons that can sell city property, not five, no six, no seven. Council, as a whole, authorizes the sale of property. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vice Chair. With that, Ms. Duncan, who is our first online public comment, sir? Madam Chair, the first public caller is Motor City Rue. Whoa! Wow! What I just heard was incredible. Now, let's get straight to it. Today, First Monday of Black History Month, the city of Detroit owes the biggest debt of gratitude to two individuals, Malik Shelton and Ramon Jackson. It was because of the information that they've been bringing forward to council that I started looking into the matter. And I'm going to caution the city council on accepting advice from LPD, as well as uh, taking um, measures to address the fractional fraud being committed against the citizens of Detroit. This is a, self, a health and safety matter, and that the fractional fraud used to double the debt limit is incredible. Now, you got three people sitting on council. You got Scott Benson, James Tate, and Mary Sheffield that approved those illegal bonds, illegal bonds, that was issued on the backs of the citizens of Detroit. It's a fact. It's the truth. And that's, the, that's just all it is. It is what it is. Now, the other six council members, the new ones, that didn't approve those bonds, it is incumbent upon you as public officials to dig deep into the matter, a deep dive into the matter, and present to the citizens of Detroit exactly what the truth is, and that's just the way it is. It's like that, and that's the way it is. Whoop, there it is. Madam Chair, the next caller is Karen Winston. Ms. Winston, you should be a panelist now whenever you're ready, if you can just unmute yourself.
Okay, um, Madam Chair, we can go to the next caller. Um, okay. Cunningham. Brother Cunningham, if you can hear us, you're up next. If you can just unmute yourself. And Miss Winston, we will get back to you uh, towards the end. Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, you can hear me. I'm so sorry. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, those under the sound of my voice, um, dial 313-444-9114 and listen. There's many people that call and said they rode the buses. Um, I'm asking you under the sound of my voice to ride the coaches after 6 p.m. and on the weekends. It's like pulling teeth or beating a dead horse to get uh, powerful people to, um, to uh, ride the coaches. But I'm asking you to ride the buses after 6 p.m. and on the weekends. And uh, text me. Let me know what happens. So if you you have, I appreciate it. 313-444-914. And also um, on Facebook, Subservience Cunningham. On Facebook, Forced Subservience Cunningham. Um, this time of the month, I'm asking you all to pray in the Holy Spirit. Chant positive energy, um, drink a lot of fluids, and call my name in the atmosphere, Brother Cunningham, and my mother, Cheryl Marie Lyons. And um, I thank you, Madam Chair, for your kindness and how you treat people during public comment. Uh, it's much better than what it was before. I'm going to spend the next 20 seconds. Thank you, Brother Cunningham. I would now like to call our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing and recess at the call of the chair. With that, Ms. Duncan. Yes, Madam Chair, the next caller is caller ending in 656, caller number ending in 656. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm, call I'm calling about an email that I sent you, all of you guys, on Friday uh, regarding DDOT Director uh, Mikhail uh, Oglesby. Uh, appointing the position of executive paratransit manager to uh, Michael Staley at the rate of $123,750 per year. Uh, Mr. Oglesby abused his authority in appointing Mr. Staley to that position. Uh, section 5-105 section of the Detroit City Charter states that each director of, of the department may with the consent of the mayor appoint a deputy. Section 51061 states that the director of each part, department of an executive branch shall hire, promote, supervise, discipline, and remove all employees of the department. It doesn't state that the director can appoint. It said that the director may hire. Uh, for some reason, um, uh, he believes that uh, the word appoint and the word hire mean the same thing. 
So I'm calling about uh, about him abusing his authority. Mr. Staley should have gone through the normal hire process and procedure that every other job candidate has to go to through. Thank you. And if the clerk can please note that we've been joined by member Durhal, who is going to be our one of our subject matter experts today during our public hearings. Ms. Duncan. Madam clerk will so note, Madam Chair. Thank you. Madam Chair, the next call, caller, public caller is caller ending in 534, number ending in 534. Hello, may I be heard? Yes, you may. We can hear you. Yes, good morning. First of all, there's a recurring problem that I raise my hand and then I check it and it's been lowered. So will people please check into that? Because I've missed public comment because my hand got lowered. Um, second of all, absolutely look into this Revere Doc situation. It's like really bad. And also, Mr. Benson, what you said is not exactly true because you're one of the persons that voted to allow the land bank to sell up to nine properties a year uh, without going to city council. And it's basically the mayor making those decisions through that secretive real estate committee. Now, the other thing I want to say to the Public Health and Safety Committee I think uh, most of the world who has internet, who could bear watching it, saw the Memphis monsters that killed Tyree Nichols. Now, um, and that shows folks that it's about what? It's about character, not color. Um, but we got a problem because we do have officers that lie. I just read a report that I was given where police officers lied about me the BOPC went along with the lying police officers, even though they had witnesses telling them something different. So I want to support the men in blue. When we have monsters like the people in Memphis, it makes it dangerous for everybody. And then we have lower people applying for the police. So please, the police should not be allowed to lie. You Madam Chair, the next... Caller is caller ending in 711. Caller ending in 711. Good morning. Thank you for taking my Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm Malik Shelton. You have to excuse my voice. I have a slight cold. I'm calling in this morning to make the residents as well as the council members aware that. Uh, the LPD report that was issued by the LPD division on the uh, bonds and uh, uh, pursuant to the notices that uh, Michigan Transportation Fund bond of $125.5 million does require a notice. This is pursuant to uh, the borrowing from the Vehicle Highway Fund Act 175 of 1952, which states that uh, before uh, MTF bond is issued, a uh, majority of the council has to approve it, and then it has to be put in a newspaper of general circulation uh, to give the uh, residents and citizens the right to referendum. Don't worry, because <clears throat> I'm uh, composing a reply right now to the LPD report. I'm going to have not just my opinion. I'm going to have copies of the laws and the documents to back up everything that I'm saying. 
Another thing, all this refunding that Duggan and the CFO is claiming that they're doing. When you refund bonds, the debt is supposed to go down significantly, not go up significantly. And so it makes me think that uh, he's not refunding anything. And if he is refunding... Madam Chair, then we're going to go back to Karen Winston. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, great. Um, good morning, first of all. Um, I just want to make a couple quick comments. One is I'm concerned about um, that uh, recent audit uh, that was recently posted. Actually, I'm concerned about all the audits, uh, the last audits we've had the last 10 years, because it doesn't seem that any, you know, we make any corrections, there are no improvements. Now the finance department gets the same, um, the same, um, uh, you know, citations for not being compliant time after time after time. So I don't know how we're, uh, we're not back in, you know, back under the financial, uh, you know, manager or financial uh, overview because our budget's never balanced. So I'm just trying to figure out one other thing, our assets. Where are our assets? I've asked for those several times. We got an asset management software. We paid for that. So it should be pretty easy, you know, to come up with that list. Um, I don't know why it, it seems to be such a difficult um, thing to do. Uh, there, last couple of weeks, uh, there was a historic um, rehab and the gentleman was saying that because he, he didn't have to be ADA comply with ADA because it was historical that's not true he still has to comply ADA also is about the sidewalks you know parking lots so uh, that's just a couple things and, and there's no street parking anymore in this area downtown Thanks. madam chair there was one additional hand raise however they raised their hand after you cut off public comment at 10 Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Duncan. And with that, as I mentioned, we have a number of public hearings today. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I do also have Dr. Powers here who's going to keep me honest regarding the times. So it might be a little clunky. I'm going to call to order our various public hearings and recess um, until we are able to begin. So right now, we are technically... Nope, I don't think I can do that. I think we have to begin and, and end uh, each hearing. And until Dr. Powers comes in, I will um, be corrected. I will, I'm surely to be corrected, but we are going to begin with our first public hearing, the one that we recessed. Or, Ms. Duncan, should I call to order a 1020? Yes, Madam Chair, and then you can recess it and then go back to the 1010. Okay, thank you. Perfect, thanks everyone. So with that, I'd like to call to order a 1020 public hearing and recess to the call of the chair. And I am now going to call the 10, 10 a.m. public hearing. So we are currently at, uh, we're currently discussing our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing. This is again, um, I will briefly just uh, read the uh, ordinance introduction. I will hand it over to, I don't know if BC is on with us um, or if law, if you're able to, to give a, a brief description of what this 10, 10 a.m. Uh, discussion is going to be about after I read uh, the introduction. So our 1010 public hearing is regarding the amended or it's, it is to amend chapter 18 of the 2019 
Detroit City Code Fire Prevention and Protection by amending Article 1, Detroit P Fire Prevention and Protection Guide by renaming Division 10 from storage of scrap tires in outdoor collection sites to storage of scrap tires in indoor and outdoor collection sites by amending Section 18-1-181, definitions Section 18-1-183, unauthorized storage of scrap tires in outdoor collection sites prohibited, Section 18-1-185, permits requirements, and Section 18-1-184, 194 fence requirements and by renaming and amending section 18-1-188 from stacking requirements to stacking and storing requirements to model state law in the regulation of storage and less than 500 scrap tires and indoor collection sites to bring the city code into compliance with the law with the state law and other technical amendments with that i will turn it over to law if you have anything that you like to describe or if you wouldn't mind, note, there's the number of things that we're discussing today. Uh, just let us know how these all fit in and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss them as, as we go through the agenda today. Thank you, Madam Chair, for the opportunity. Tanya Long from the Law Department. The ordinance before you currently is one of four ordinances that are related to a recently enacted zoning ordinance. These are ordinances that have been the subject of um, a number of executive orders the most recent being Executive Order 2022-06, uh, um, related to um, certain types of businesses. The ordinance that's before you right now for Chapter 9, for Chapter 18, excuse me, please, um, specifically, um, specifically relates to the storage of scrap tires, applies to the storage of scrap tires between 30 and 500 because that's the area in state law that we have the ability to regulate um, and makes other technical amendments that bring our city code into compliance with what the state law allows. Thank you. Member Durhal, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we go into uh, public comments regarding this public hearing? Thank you, Madam Chair, and good morning to everyone. Uh, as uh, Attorney Long has already indicated, this this is the particular ordinance dealing with scrap tires. <clears throat> Obviously, a, a couple things to note. Uh, when the moratorium was placed back in 2019 again, uh, it was because of the proliferation of auto-related uses uh, in, our, in our city. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer now, uh, we passed our zoning ordinance uh, to make this possible. These are the companion bills that are attached to it that put the teeth uh, in that ordinance to ensure that we are in compliance and that we are doing everything to keep our residents safe and our uh, community safe. Uh, so it updates the definition of a scrap tire, <clears throat> meaning that a scrap tire means a tire that is no longer being used for its original intended purpose but not limited to a used tire or a reusable casing or portion of the tire. Uh, again, prohibits the outdoor collection site of scrap tires equaling 30 or but fewer or less than 500, uh, which are accumulated on the parcel or adjacent parcels. Uh, parcels uh, As to the definition of the tire to include a tractor and other farm machinery uh, or a vehicle. Uh, and then the storage requirements are really important. When we talk about 
uh, how some of these tires are stored. I know many of you have seen it in your district when you ride by, these tires are stored outside, sometimes in the back and alleyways. Uh, we truly believe this will help with a lot of that illegal dumping, some of that blight that you see and the environmental concerns. Uh, so within some of the requirements, it talks about each pile shall be of uniform design and configuration, not more than 10 feet in width, 20 feet in length. Uh, you have to have a masonry uh, enclosure, meaning the pile cannot be over the mason, uh, masonry enclosure. So if you have one of those brick walls, you can't stack the tires higher than the brick walls. Uh, any trucks or trailers utilized for storage must be registered uh, and bear a valid current license plate as required by the Michigan Secretary of State. Uh, and the property or where any collection site is located must be validly permitted as a scrap tire storage site processing or recycling facility in accordance with chapter 50, which we just passed of the code. And the storage of scrap tires inside the building should not exceed the limits by the fire marshal and must have a permit that are that is issued uh, by the uh, fire marshal. The fence requirement uh, is important as well. Uh, again, it talks about city outdoor collection being used in the uh, storage of scrap tires. That location has to be closed, so that fence is necessary. No longer storing them outside of the facility. They have to be enclosed, uh, and this is the exception is gates or doors for ingress or egress by the by the walls. So, uh, again, this is a very good ordinance to keep our residents safe, ensure that we're being compliant with the state of Michigan. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's time for us to start uh, putting some of these. Uh, I don't want to say regulations, but putting some of these requirements on there to ensure that some of our businesses uh, understand that we want to have safe communities uh, and there are very good actors there are a lot that already do this but there are many that don't and so uh, i would urge my uh, colleagues to support this and i appreciate your time today uh, madam chair thank you thank you thank you member durhall are there any questions or comments from my colleagues yes vice chair benson all right number one uh, thank you uh, member durhall for bringing these forward and through yourself madam chair it's a lot apartment um so in my community there are a number of artists uh who may utilize tires as borders um, around property or for artistic installations? Does this have a negative impact on their ability to do that? Well, I am uncertain as to the answer of that question. This is regarding scrap tire storage. Certainly the argument would be that this is not storage, it's art. Um, that is an item that we can look into further. I don't think the answer is necessarily clear cut. Okay, um, and then looking at section 18, TAC 1, TAC 182, uh, looking at a $500 fine for violations. Is that enough? I mean, we have so many uh, illegal scrap or people who store tires illegally or just in, the, in a very negligent manner. Once this is imposed, is $500 enough to compel compliance with the ordinance? $500 is what we're authorized to be able to collect under this ordinance scheme, sir. We are significantly reflecting state law um, and outside of state law what the NREPA provides, which is what we're modeling here mm. um, in this ordinance, is that we have the ability under the Homeless City Act to, to ask for, uh, to require up to $500. So unless it's outside of that area, um, we are limited and, and that is the maximum that we'd be able to um, enforce under. And a $500 fine maximum, that's a state fix if we wanted to uh, look at that in the future? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. Member Drahal. Thank you, Madam Chair. And, and again, I forgot to, uh, to Member Benson, uh, through you, Madam Chair, I forgot to 
talk about that specifically. Uh, I, I know very well because I've introduced bills on the state level that have misdemeanors attached, and so that is fitting, uh, or past bills, not introduced, just past bills. Uh, that is fitting relative to the misdemeanor, which is up to 90 days in jail or 100 hours of community service or a $500 fine. So that, that falls in the state statute relative to penalties as it relates to a misdemeanor and as Attorney Long has indicated relative to consumer, uh, consumer matters that are violations. Madam Chair? Yes, Vice Chair. Through yourself, I'm not sure how old that $500 number is, but I mean, just as time goes and as inflation impacts us, I mean, that, that fine can be less and less impactful and less of a reason to comply with the law. And so just thinking of the future, maybe we want to rethink that and maybe encourage um, or advocate at the state level for an increase in the, uh, our maximum ability to impose a fine. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. I have one quick question, not sure if Member Durhall um, or the law department knows, but where is the $500 going to, the, the fees? Do you know which funds they're, they're going to be going to? If I may, Member Durhall, there, because this would be imposed by a court, there is a schedule of how that is distributed under the court rules. That is something that I'd be certainly willing to find the answer to and, and give back to this committee, but that's something that's set under state statute. Okay, understood. Thank you. If there are no other questions or comments, Member Durhall? No, I, and I would just say again, you know, for both of your points, Madam Chair, as well as Member Benson, uh, I'd be willing to support uh, on the state level and advocate so we can increase those fines. I do believe at times $500 seems like a slap on the wrist uh, relative to those fines. And to Member uh, or Chairwoman Santiago Romero's point, uh, if this is something we're doing for our city, maybe we advocate on the state level to find somewhere where those funds can go into something that will benefit the residents as well. I, I, and I would assume that's where uh, the chairwoman was going. So I'd be willing to work with all of you uh, to advocate on the state level for that as well. Thank you, Madam Chair. Great. Madam thank Chair. You. Yes, I just want to say just another thank you for this um, ordinance. Just number one, in the third district, um, illegal tire dumping is just, it's prolific and it's terrible. I mean, we find thousands of tires in vacant and abandoned homes mm -hmm. and in alleys and hopefully this will help to eliminate and bring more people into compliance. I also know that it's not cheap to legally dispose of tires either, which is why people dump them into abandoned homes and into alleys. And so hopefully when we talk about a fine, I'm not sure $500 is that number, but 100 hours of community service and then up to the 90 days um, in, in jail. So I'm hoping that we're also willing to advocate to the courts when it comes to sentencing, if we catch people, that we can actually start to say, hey, we, we're serious about this. And uh, that $500 fine, the $100 community service, and or up to 90 days in jail, we're prepared to advocate for at the court level as well. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. I will now call the 10.30 a.m. public hearing and recess to the call of the chair and bring us back to our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing. There are a lot of issues when it comes to tires in our city. Um, this again is specifically regarding those that are storing tires. And then yes, Member Benson would love to figure out how we can work on all the illegal dumping that we see because it is high, high, high um, in District 6 as well. Uh, if there are no other comments or are there any other comments or questions regarding our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing? If not, again, for the public, please raise your hand now if you have any comments or questions regarding our 10, 10 a.m. 
public hearing, please raise your hand now. And Madam Duncan, if we have any hand raised, if we have any raised, how many do we have raised? Madam Chair, there are currently two hands raised. Okay, everyone will have a minute and a half and whenever you're ready, Ms. Duncan. Madam Chair, the first caller is Karen Winston. Hello? We can hear you, Ms. Winston. Okay, great. Um, as it relates to this particular ordinance, uh, you know, we had those um, cameras that we had and we, I thought we were going to be moving them around and I'm just wondering how many um, people did we catch dumping those tires and then uh, I heard something about a tire recycling uh, location or recapping or something how many companies like that I'm wondering do we have in the city because it would be pretty easy to put you know two and two together if we're getting all these tires somebody must be using them you know um, so um, I'm just wondering how many people we've caught and how many people we've Bought litigation against for violating our ordinances uh, as it relates to, um, the, you know, violating any ordinance. We spent a lot of time creating ordinances, but I don't see, never saw, uh, you know, a listing of, you know, this person or we did this many uh, litigations against these many violations of our, um, you know, our ordinances. So, like I said, we spent a lot of time writing. How much time do we spend enforcing them and who enforces them? Um, I'll listen out. Thanks. Madam Chair, the next caller is Motor City Rue. Yeah, uh, state compliance with the ordinances here in the city of Detroit, whether it's, you know, scrap tires, unlimited, limited tax obligation bonds. The thing, the thing that I notice more so is that these committees, they're comprised of three individuals. Three individuals are passing them on with a recommendation to approve or deny. Now with this particular issue about the scrap tires, I mean, being in compliance with state law is important. It's very important. I mean, you just can't come up with fractional frauds or having scrap tires piled sky high and just laying all over the place. It's, it's a blight condition and if the state allows for certain things, then the city ordinance should be in compliance with what state law is, especially when it becomes to scrap tires and tax bonds and fractional fraud. Everything should be in compliance with what the state mandates be taking place. Like the legal debt limit. The state has a legal debt limit, just like it has a, or a response for the tires. You just can't have tires stacked and littered all over the place, just like you can't just pack on unlimited bonds with no notice. It's the same thing. It's, it's, it's like, how should I say? Two things that coincide with one another. Scrap tires, illegal tax bonds, fractional fraud. Bring the ordinance and all issues in compliance Madam Chair, the last caller is Marguerite Maddox. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Maddox. Good morning. How, 
How is everyone doing this morning? We are doing well. Okay, um, I have a problem with 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 the tires being dumped on the freeway. On the freeway. How? Huh? How many times have the city pick up tires from the freeway? And I do know that they have cameras on the freeway. So, how about making sure that, 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 that the people who are dumping tires on the freeway pay, pay for the city to pick up the tires of the freeway. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you, Ms. Maddox. So there were a number of questions that I believe are relevant. Um, Attorney Long, a lot of these are regarding enforcements, what we're currently doing. Um, so I will share with you the, the questions that I heard. And then I'm also wondering if, if we don't know some of the answers, if we can bring in um, BC if needed. If I may, Madam Chair. Yes. I believe that BC is currently on the line. Okay. We, we're going to be present for this morning's set of public hearings. Great. Also, because it has to do with enforcement and not necessarily with the public hearing that's before us, mm. it would certainly be appropriate to forward those questions to law and BC jointly, okay. and we can prepare a written response. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Attorney Long. With that, um, the questions that I heard that um, are relevant that I um, would like answered for the public are just uh, further knowledge who is enforcing. Um, I would like to add if we have capacity to enforce to ensure that we are enforcing this. There was questions around cameras and how many uh, folks have been caught or really how efficient these, ha these have been um, in keeping the dumping low. There are questions also regarding has the city picked up, has the city picked up tires along the freeway and what that, and, and what that looks like so far. Uh, so these are the questions, um, Attorney Long, if you and, and BC are able to answer for them to us. Um, and I mean, I'm happy to even, um, I believe we're going to bring one of these line items back so we can discuss them at that time. Or we'll figure out a way to figure this, to, to share it out with the public. Attorney Long. Thank you. Um, I w if, if you intend to continue the conversation now, 
I want to advise you that Fire Marshal Thomas, I believe, is also on the call. If this is going to be a bring back, um, I'll be happy to work with Fire Marshal Thomas and with BC to ensure that you have a response. Thank you, Attorney Long. I think instead of bringing it back, maybe just a line item for a, a, a future discussion. Um, I see you, Member Durhal, just one quick second. I want to call our 1040 public comment, public comment, public hearing, and recess our 1040 public hearing, and call our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing. Oh, recess to the, uh, recess our 1040 public hearing to the call of the chair. Thank you, Dr. Powers. And once again, I will call our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing. Member Durhal. Thank you, Madam Chair. And I would just finally add, <clears throat> I think those are important questions as well. And I know uh, due to the fact that it's a public hearing, uh, certain uh, items we have to remain germane uh, to the ordinance at hand. Uh, I am hoping this particular one passes. I know we mentioned one about a bring back. I think that's one further down in the agenda. Uh, but if it is to pass, it still has to come before the full table. And hopefully we can discuss and have those answers okay. uh, by by that formal session. Because I do believe those questions are very important as well, Madam, uh, Madam Chair. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Member Durhall. With that, colleagues, are there any other questions? Oh, I do know that we have our fire marshal as well. Ms. Duncan, if you wouldn't mind uh, making our fire marshal into a panelist just to see if they um, if they have anything else to add regarding this hearing before we move on. Madam Chair, Fire Marshal Thomas is a panelist. Uh, good morning, all. Um, so I, I noticed that there were a, a number of questions as it relates to the enforcement of um, this particular ordinance and some of the amendment changes that have happened. Um, and to address to the chair some of the concerns of um, Council Member Benson and um, Council Member Durhall's the ability to um, act punitively based upon the violations that are noted per this particular ordinance. Uh, the $500 fine is punishable by day according to the ordinance that we have at 1.16.4. So as long as the violators have not made, have not cleared up that particular condition, they can be written a ticket or fined $500 per day. Mm -hmm. So um, in that measure, we can um, ensure that we'll get compliance um, um, in a more swifter fashion, being that the fines uh, accumulate oh, per day as the condition has not been corrected. Thank you, Fire Marshal. Thank you. I think my only final comments regarding this hearing um, and regarding the funds and where they go, where they're allocated, um, Member Durhall, happy to work together with you, but I think the public health fund would be a good way to start. Um, it's already in existence, something that we can utilize. With that, if there's nothing else, colleagues, is there a motion to approve our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing and to send, correct? Are we sending this introduction? We are. We're sending this to form with a recommendation to approve. Are there any objections? Hearing none, this ordinance will be sent to a formal session with the recommendation to approve. Moving us along. Madam Chair, you have oh. to close it out. I will now be closing off our 10, 10 a.m. public hearing and 
calling our 10.20 a.m. public hearing. Our 10.20 public hearing is regarding an amendment to Chapter 41 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Secondhand Goods by amending Article 1, Junk Dealers, Junk Vehicles, and Junk Collectors, Division 2, generally Section 4-1-3, Enclosed Building or Masonry Wall Required, Section 41-1-4, Condition of Premises, generally Section 41-1-5, Pledges, Pawns, and Loans Prohibited, Section 41-1-6, records to be kept, examination of certain articles by police department or designated enforcement officers, exceptions, section 41-1-7, junk purchased or exchange, exceptions, retention and tagging, automated recycling kiosk, storage and retention, preparation and delivery of records of purchases and exchanges, burden of proof, section 41-4-12, recording surveillance system required, and by renaming and amending section 41-1-9, business transactions prohibited during certain hours by amending article four, scrap metal dealers, division one, generally section 41-4-3, enclosed building or masonry wall required, and section 41-4-4, condition of premises generally by adding section 41-4-15, recording surveillance systems required by amending division two, license by adding section 41-4-31 surety bond required by amending article 6 used vehicle used motor vehicle dealers used vehicle parts dealers and automotive dismantling and wrecking yards division 2 used mortar vehicles subdivision 1 generally by amending section 41-6-21 minimum size of premises curb cuts and surfacing permanent uh, per, uh, permanent building required separation from adjoining property and adding section 41-6-25 recording surveillance systems required by amending division 4 automobile dismantling and wrecking yards subdivision 1 generally by amending section 46-6-101 enclosed building fence or wall required section 41-6-102 Condition of premises generally by adding section 41-6-106 business transactions prohibited during certain hours and section 41-6-107 loitering by minors prohibited and by adding article 8 used tires sales and service scrap tire storage and scrap tire processing to include division 1 generally containing section dirty section 41 dash eight dash one misdemeanor violation continuing violation penalties for conviction thereof section 41 dash eight dash two enclosed building fence or wall required section 41 dash eight dash three condition the premises generally section 41 dash eight dash four pledges ponds and lawns prohibited and loans prohibited section 41 dash eight dash five records to be kept section 41 dash eight dash six Ex um, exhibition of parts to police, section 41-8-7, use of streets, sidewalks, other parts of public highways, and non-designated property prohibited. Section 41-8-8, business transactions prohibited during certain times. Section 41-8-9, loitering by minors prohibited, division two. Used hire sales and service business license to include section 41-8-21, required. Section 41-8-22, application, information required, section 41-8-23, establishments, 
approval, publication, and payment of annual fee. Section 41-8-24, inspection and certification of approval, land use, construction, and requirements, maintenance, fire protection, and safety, and health and sanitation requirements. Section 41-8-25, investigation by police department required to confirm non-conviction of certain crimes. Section 41-8-26, investigation of Office of financial of, of Chief Financial Officer required to confirm no city tax or assessments or rage. Section 41-8-27, Building Safety Engineering and Environmental Department Lic Business License Center to take action upon application. Section 41-8-28, Posting Required, Non-Transferable, Section 41-8-29, Expiration Date and Renewal Requirements, and Section 41-8-30, Suspension, Revocation, and Denial of Renewal, and Division 3, Scrap Tire Storage Business License Containing, Section 41-8-41, Required, Section 41-842, Application Information Required, Section 41-8-43, Establishment, approval, publication, and payment of annual fee, section 41-8-44. Inspection and certification of approval, land use, construction requirements, maintenance, fire protection and safety, and health and sanitation requirements. Before moving on, everyone, I would like to call our 10.50 a.m. public hearing and recess of the call of the chair. And I would like to call again our 10.20 public hearing which I just read the introduction of. I will now turn it over to Attorney Long before I hand it over to Member Durhal. What is our 10.20 a.m. introduction really saying, Attorney Long? Thank you, uh, Madam Chair, after all of those words. If I might recommend that uh, Kevin Jones and Ray Scott are both waiting, um, and they would be a very good addition to our conversation on this particular matter. Uh, they're both online. And I'd like to take just a moment, if I could, Member Durhal, to explain something about the architecture of our code, because I think it's gonna make all the words that you just read make more sense. Outside of the zoning area, and specifically in business licensing, every chapter is divided into two parts. We call it the, regula the regulatory portion and the licensing portion. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at the amendments that are before you, um, most of it is done in the um, regulatory portion because we're adding something. We're adding a requirement for surveillance or adding a requirement for a surety bond or we're, we're adding a requirement for hours or in every one of these instances we're adding requirements as to how you keep your property so that you're a better neighbor to the persons that are around you. We've also changed that regulatory portion um, as it relates to how you physically present to the community uh, a masonry wall um, of, of a certain height so that it's in conformance with what the zoning ordinance has required. In addition to that regulatory portion, we're creating business licensing. And in every single one of these instances, with very limited exception, the presentation of the business licensing is identical. The steps that you have to go through to get a license in all of these instances looks the same. So that's almost a cut and paste when we add on a licensing uh, area. There, there may be, um, because there are certain requirements under state law, um, that there might show up in the licensing, but by and large, those are always the same thing. So in what is before you right now, the changes to Chapter 41, until you get to Article 8, have to do with those amendments to regulation. 
when we get to the new proposed Article 8, that's all brand new language, and that's because we're proposing in this ordinance to regulate new types of businesses. And that's um, used, well, let me say it this way. Uh, there are four divisions in that new Article 8. The first is generally, and that's our regulatory portion. All of the businesses that we're going to require licenses on are going to be regulated in the same manner. The next three divisions identify what type of business licenses are required, and that's based, of course, on what type of business you're, you're um, engaging in, right? And those are used tire sales and service business license, scrap tire storage business license, and scrap tire processing and recycling business license. Those licenses and regulation of those businesses will be brand new under this code. And that goes to the conversation that Member Durhall had been having earlier about how this is going to fit in with the, the um, the hopefully soon to be expired executive order. Does that answer your questions? Thank you, Attorney Long. Yes, I appreciate that overview. Can you just um, remind us again of who are the other two folks that you want us to bring on as panelists? Oh, yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, Ray Scott, the Deputy Director of BSEED, and Kevin Jones, the manager of the business licensing area. They, they, I know they've texted me. I know that they're in the waiting room. Okay. Uh, Ms. Duncan, if we can move them over as a panelist. Madam Chair, they are panelists. You just have to turn their cameras on. Okay, you are both panelists and able to join us whenever you are ready. And if you will, if you both wouldn't mind stating your names and titles for the public. Good morning, Madam Chair. Raymond Scott, Deputy Director of BC. Good morning, thank you for joining us. Then we have Mr. Jones. I, he has technical difficulties. Oh, there he is, great, thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. Good morning, Madam Chair. This is Kevin Jones. I am manager for Buildings and Safety Licensing and Permits Division. Thank you both for joining us. I will hand it over to you in one minute. Um, I will turn it over first to Member Durhall if you want to add anything that's been shared so far. Thank you, Madam President. And first, or Madam Chair, uh, and first let me apologize that you have to read through uh, all of these ordinances, uh, there are a couple more that are coming before us today, and I know they are very lengthy, uh, lengthy uh, in nature, but uh, this is probably one of the most important ordinances in the package. Obviously, there are a number of uh, amendments in there, uh, and as Attorney Long has mentioned, uh, a lot dealing with regulation. Uh, I try not to use the word mandate, but, but regulation more so. Uh, and so under this ordinance, it does a couple things. We talk about the scrap tire, uh, but really it's the ordinance or a secondhand goods uh, ordinance, basically, uh, that mandates these city collection sites where folks intake, whether that be tires, whether it's scrap metal, whether it's junkyards, whether it's used uh, cars, uh, whatever it may uh, um, entail. Uh, so it creates definitions for scrap tires, again, reinforces that. Uh, section 41-1-4 talks about the conditions uh, of the premises, uh, so no open, open burning of any material. Uh, that's prohibited now. Uh, the conditions of its premises so as to avoid the imposition of noise, odors, artificial illumination, mud, dirt, dust, water runoff, litter, vermin, vibration, and other nuisances, and the owner must retain a bound copy of the pollution incident protection plan. Um, we also have a surveillance aspect uh, in here for recording to ensure that folks are doing business 
right and doing the right things and not operating nefariously. So every junk dealer must maintain the video surveillance system to ensure such system records, uh, I'm sorry, such system records, people bringing such items uh, into the junk dealer uh, for sale or delivery. Uh, also, they must make that video available upon request digital, uh, digitally uh, of these recordings uh, from the surveillance system to DPD uh, or our inspectors. Uh, and they must retain the surveillance for at least 90 days. Uh, so they're not just deleting it after one week. Uh, relative to our scrap metal dealers, they have to maintain the video surveillance as well to ensure that people are bringing those items there for seller delivery. Uh, they've got to do the same things under surveillance, make it available upon request. Uh, use motor vehicle dealers. Their property shall be separated from adjoining property by a wall, by a masonry wall that is not less than five uh, feet and not more than eight feet in height. The reason behind this is that you'll notice that there are some folks or some um, facilities that sell vehicles as well, but they also take scrap and they take junk. And so this is to create that separation that exists for health and safety reasons. Uh, as well, uh, and to make sure that those businesses are oper uh, operating correctly. They have a surveillance aspect attached to them as well. Uh, they are to comply, same thing, have to keep the video for 90 days, make it available upon request, uh, have that surveillance installed on the premises. Some do now, some don't, uh, but we, are, we want to ensure that folks have that uh, on the premises. Um, Talking about automobile dismantling and wrecking yards, they have to maintain a clean environment uh, to avoid the imposition of noise, odors, artificial illumination, mud, dirt, dust, water runoff, litter, vermin, vibration, and other nuisances. As we know, uh, some of these drunk junkyards uh, or automobile dismantling and wrecking yards provide uh, a nuisance to our community. Uh, I have had, I have a proliferation of, uh, of them in District 7. I know District 6 has some. I know District 3 has some. Uh, as well, those are pretty much the three districts that house a lot of these uh, entities. And we get complaints from residents all the time that there are rats running around, uh, that there's dust flying up in the air that is not environmentally safe. And so we want to put some teeth and strengthen and ensure that we are doing what we can to hold folks accountable and make sure uh, they're operating correctly as well. Um, we talked about the used tire sales and, and scrap tire storage, talking about violations and the misdemeanors uh, and being sentenced up to 90 days in jail. Uh, and so it pretty much goes and strengthens it. Something that's new, or well, not new, but something that is not mentioned, we talk about pledges, pawns, and loans prohibited. No scrap tires by the way of pledge or pawn or shall uh, or, or loan shall uh, be in advance of a sum of money on the security of such tire. Um, talks about the records being kept again. Must have written in ink the time of purchase the complete description of the used tire sales and services purchase. Uh, the books at uh, the book should always be open to inspection of any member of the police or the director of BC. Uh, we talk about streets and sidewalks. No used tire sales and service businesses can make use of any street or sidewalk or other parts of a public highway. So you can't be out there selling used tires on the street, in the middle of the street, you know, we have that regulation where you have to keep them stored, but you have to operate your business in your business. Uh, we get a number of calls, folks saying, hey, they're fixing cars on the street, they're selling cars and tires on the street, 
and it causes a nuisance uh, within our community. Uh, business transactions prohibited during certain hours. Must not purchase or receive items by sale, barter, exchange, or otherwise from any person between the hours of 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. We all know that normal business hours generally operate between 9 and 5, and some of the worst things happen when businesses are closed. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., many folks uh, say, you know, and this kind of helps that, you know, if you have auto theft, right, somebody comes steal some tires or auto parts uh, in the middle of the night, then they're able to bring it to the scrapyard in the middle of the night. Folks don't know, right? Uh, so this will create uh, that uh, prohibition as well. Uh, and then it talks about before any licensee, the chief of police or the designees of the chief of police must do an investigation before that license happens to ensure that these folks don't have violations in the past. They have not been convicted of felonies for operating nefariously. Uh, and it says any convictions of fraud, embezzlement, dishonesty, or assault in the, uh, of assault in the past five years uh, will, will uh, uh, not allow you to get that license. A person cannot have a license if they are convicted of those crimes. Uh, going further into the investigation by DPD, uh, required to confirm non-conviction of certain uh, crimes, a scrap tire process, uh, processing and recycling license must refer to the application to the chief of police to investigate the applicants to see if they have those felonies, again, dealing with fraud, dishonesty, embezzlement, or assault during those years. Uh, and then there will be also an investigation by the Office of the Chief Financial Officer. They're required to confirm that there are no city tax or assessment arrearage uh, on those uh, entities as well, meaning that they don't owe back taxes and they're trying to get a license and open up. Uh, there will be an audit by our OCFO. And so that was a lot, I know, uh, but this is probably one of the most important ordinances, one of the reasons why the moratorium was established to bring folks into compliance and ensure they're operating. So I appreciate the time. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Durhall. I will now turn it over to our director and Mr. Jones, if you'd like to add anything else before <laughs> we go into some questions. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Deputy Director Ray Scott, BC. Uh, as you can see, um, Councilman Durhall and Attorney Long are both well-versed in what BC is attempting to accomplish through our license portion of this. And as this committee is well aware, uh, we're trying to keep up with governing. Uh, this is our opportunity to govern what has been allowed through the zoning portion of this. The zoning portion has already passed, and so this is the license end of it that would tie bar them both together. That's, that's all I have to add. Uh, Mr. Jones is available as our subject matter expert uh, in regards to licensing. Thank you so much. Yes, and good morning. And, and through the chair, uh, just want to mirror Deputy Director Scott, uh, Attorney Long, and Council Member Durhall have, have pretty much uh, touched on everything. But I am here to entertain any questions that anyone may have as it pertains to the licensing aspects of the ordinances proposed. Thank you. Thank you. Colleagues, are there any questions, comments? regarding our 1020 ordinance. Seems like everyone did a great job overviewing what we are discussing. My only comment is that we are also working on a fugitive dust ordinance that will definitely help us really help maintain the cleanliness, the health um, of our residents. Uh, so hoping that we can also get this rolling out soon. Um, but if there are no other questions or any other comments for our 1020 a.m. public hearing, is there a motion to approve and sense a formal session with the recommendation to approve? 
Motion. Are there any objections? Hearing none. Madam President, if I, uh, Madam Chair, if I may. Yes, I Member Durham. I that you still have to take public comment for this. Oh, thank you. Pardon me, and, that, and I'm not a member of this committee, but I, <laughs> I was just asking the question. You are a very good chair, though. Thank you so much. Um, before we go um, off into that motion, uh, uh, Ms. Duncan, how many hands do we have raised for our 1020 public hearing? Madam Chair, right now there are currently three hands raised. Okay. <coughs> Whenever you're ready. Yep. And we'll be cutting off our public comment for our 1020 public hearing. First participant, Madam Chair, is Karen Winston. Hello? Yes, we can hear you, Ms. Winston. Okay, great. Um, I heard this, uh, it was kind of lengthy, but I, I had a couple questions. One is, now we said this is for the tow yards and they have to build masonry, masonry, um, Fencing. I didn't hear how high that had to be. That was one thing. What's the height of that, you know, that uh, mandated um, bricking? And uh, I guess this includes the police tow yards as well as uh, private tow yards, not just the private tow yards. And then, um, uh, so is there an initial inspection? Is somebody from BC going to go out and inspect it? and say, okay, you're in compliance and here's your license and how much is that fee? And um, so annual fee, and are we gonna come back out and re-inspect it annually? You know, we're, gonna be, we're just gonna give them a license because we believe they're in compliance. Are we gonna just, you know, make sure they stay in compliance? Now, um, so the violation, if there is a violation, how long do they get to correct it? I mean, are we gonna give them a grace period if, you know, we, we're changing this ordinance now. So a, a month from now, if they don't have a fence, are we going to give them more time? How much more time are we going to give them? And I just got those kinds of uh, questions. And are these fees posted anywhere? Can we find where these fees are and where do the fees go to the general fund or what's up with the fees? Thanks. Madam Chair, the next caller is Motor City Rue. Yeah, most definitely, um, where are the fees going? We need to have a serious discussion passing these ordinance and making sure they're in compliance, you know, and not just the ordinance. The ordinances should be in accordance with the city charter as well as state law because the state law governs what the city charter is allowed to do. And, you know, it just with this, the, the height of these fences, just like with the bonds and the scrap tires and everything you know we got three people on these committees that's approving this to send it to council you know we got on this committee we got scott benson and then we got um miss uh Ramirez, and we also have miss waters but in compliance with state law and with the city charter mandates that's definitely the thing that needs to be addressed you know just like with the bond issues and the scrap tires and the height of the fence and a fractional fraud in compliance with state law. That's the thing I want to drive home with this comment. This being all these ordinances are in compliance with state law, and state law trumps the uh, Detroit City Charter and these ordinances, as a matter of fact. And we got Scott Benson here who can attest to the fact that state law is 
very, 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 very important, as well as where are the fees going. This money talk is what really needs to be addressed. All this money. Madam Chair, the next caller is Carol Hughes. Uh, good morning, Honorable Body. May I speak? Yes, you may. My name is Carolyn Hughes, and I am speaking about some issues that I find in the ordinance. I find that sections 41, 8, 26 seems like a strange change of uh, responsibility. Why would the OCFO office be responsible for uh, auditing? Uh, tax, city tax, or some type of assessment arrangement. This seems to be uh, a fraud baked into, you know, the ordinance, because that is that should not be the responsible body. And who's going to audit uh, that person? We have an audit division. We also have a tax division who should be responsible for that. I'm not sure why that was thrown into this um, <clears throat> ordinance, Mr. Durhall. And section 41, 8, and 25 says confirm non-certain uh, crimes, and so that needs to be spelled out which crimes, uh, not just uh, Mr. Durhall's example of crimes. We need to have the exact crimes that need to be spelled out in the ordinance, and I'd like to ask Mr. Scott, when he came through or B said came through Division 7 to look at all of the violations and the that were in non-compliance. How many violations did tickets were were uh, distributed, were written, and how much revenue was collected? Um, if you went through for two years, B said, we should have some revenue. Thank you. Madam Chair, there is one more caller, uh, Brandon Lewis. Brandon Lewis, you have been made a panelist. Please unmute yourself. And you have a minute and 30 seconds for your public comment. Madam Chair, this may be Captain Lewis from the police department. Understood. Okay, I, I think since we do have a number of questions regarding enforcement, um, if Mr. Lewis is online to discuss this line item, we can bring him on as a panelist. And yes, if we can have a BC, join us again. There were a few questions um, that I think are relevant for us to respond to. I'll make my way backwards. Um, Member Durhal, you did explain what kind of um, laws are to be broken or that would need to be reviewed um, by police as well as why we're um, the chief, the office of chief financial, um, of, of our chief financial officer is um, the one in charge of ensuring that these companies are also um, in good standing. Uh, so if you if you want to add a little bit more, I can also turn it to, over to Attorney Long to elaborate a little bit more, but I'll turn it over to you before Attorney Long. Thank you, Madam Chair, and, and uh, to the caller uh, through you. Uh, again, I may have said audit, but I think I said investigation as well. So when we talk about the city finances, uh, here in the city of Detroit relative to our budget, relative to any revenues that are received, 
the top office, uh, if we don't know, is the chief financial officer, OCFO for the city of Detroit. Even Treasury uh, has to report to the OCFO. So I want to make that known and particularly make that known as the chair of the Budget Finance and Audit Subcommittee. Uh, second uh, is that we did outline uh, the crimes specifically. Again, these are any convictions of fraud, embezzlement, dishonesty, or assault in the past five years. So I want to make sure uh, that the caller knows that, that we did outline that uh, as well. Uh, other than that, uh, I'd be happy to turn it over to BC. Uh, I think a couple questions were relative to enforcement uh, mm -hmm. and through you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Member Durhal. Attorney Long, anything to add regarding um, why the LCFO? I can. Um, the, the Home Rule City Act, which governs the creation of our charter, our charter, both require that the city not do business with anyone in default of the city. Mm -hmm. The OCFO in every licensing provision, as I had identified, they're almost exactly the same, is the large office that's required to confirm that there's no arrearage, and that's because all of our financial matters are under OCFO. It's not just Treasury. It's not just taxes. It's everything. Um, and so as the umbrella, the OCFO um, is, is responsible for that. Does the OCFO himself do that? No. He's going to send that out right to the division that needs to provide that particular information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney. We will now turn it over to BC. There are a number of questions about how will enforcement work. There's another specific question around how high will the walls be? Um, if you wouldn't mind, Mr. Jones, um, answering those questions. Sure, thank you, through the chair. Uh, yes, uh, as it pertains to, there are a few questions about the licensing inspections and, and the, the, uh, the frequency and so forth. Um, just to bring a bit of clarity, uh, all licenses are renewed on an annual basis. And in order for a license to be renewed, uh, there are a set of requisite inspections that have to occur and investigations that have to occur and clearances given to our office in order for a license to be issued. Um, these businesses that are before us today have different expiration dates. Um, they are on March 31st and December 31st, respectively. Uh, so what happens, generally speaking, again, is four months prior to that expiration date, uh, the interested departments, the fire department, uh, buildings and safety, OC, OFC, OCFO, uh, are all notified of the upcoming expiration date uh, in, a, in an effort to give ample time for those inspections to be conducted, uh, any correction orders that are needed to be issued, and to give the customer time to be able to uh, make those fixes again so that in four months, uh, we're looking to be able to issue the business license. Um, again, there was one question pertaining to how long do you have to fix those those errors or those um, violations that are found um, that may be relative to or each um, department, fire, BC, and I don't want to speak for anyone. I know property maintenance gives 30 days depending on the nature of the violation. Fire may have another standard, but again, high level, uh, these inspections are going to begin four months prior to the expiration date. Uh, and the customer will be issued an invoice as well from our office for the license fee, 45 days, and then again, 15 days prior to that expiration date. Again, uh, in an effort to make a two-way effort where uh, the business and the city is both are both doing their due diligence to make sure that the license is, is issued in, uh, by that expiration date, be it December 31st or March 31st. Uh, the fees, our license fees go to the general fund. Um, there was also a question about um, 
uh, any fees in the form of a, a ticket. As Attorney Long mentioned earlier, that is that goes through the courts. That is not something that is received uh, by buildings and safety. Violations, uh, or excuse me, inspections do have an inspection fee that go along with them. So those fees are collected by that respective division or department that conducts that inspection, that be the fire department uh, or buildings of safety, we do have inspection fees. And again, a clearance is granted once the inspection passes and that inspection fee is remitted. Um, and just to piggyback one more time on attorney's long last comment, uh, the tax portion is not anything that is newly implemented. All of our business licenses we communicate and have done so for my 15 years with the uh, with the department, uh, with the finance division to or OFCO office to ensure that all property taxes and income taxes are remitted before a license is issued. Thank you. Thank you. And would anyone happen to know how high the laws are going to be required? Remember, Dr. Hall, do you yes. Any? Oh, yes, deputy. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The height is eight feet. Okay. At a minimum. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Colleagues, do we have any questions? No. Okay. If there are no other questions, is there a motion to approve this ordinance to send to formal session with the recommendation to approve? Motion. Are there any objections? Hearing none, this will be sent to a formal session with the recommendation to approve. I will now close out our 1020 public hearing and call our 1030 public hearing. Our 1030 public hearing is regarding submitting a report and proposed ordinance to amend chapter 46 of the 2019 Detroit City Code, Traffic and Vehicles, Article 2, Enforcement Division 5, Towing and Adding Subdivision D, Towing Service, Storage Yard to be divided into two parts with Part 1, generally containing Section 46-2-131, Fence or Wall Required, Section 46-2-132, Conditions of Premises Generally, Section 46-2-133, Use of Streets, Sidewalks, Other Parts of Public Highways, and Non-Designated pro Property Prohibited, and Part 2, License Containing Section 46-2-141, Required Section 46-2-142 Application Information Required Section 46-2-143 Establishment Approval Publication and Payment of Annual Fee Section 46-2-144 Inspection and Certification of Approval Land Use Construction Requirements Maintenance Fire Protection and Safety and Health and Sanitation Requirements Section 46-2-145 Investigation by Police Department required to confirm non-conviction of certain crimes. Section 46-2-146, investigation by the Office of Chief Financial Officer required to confirm no city tax or assess assessments arrearage. Section 46-2-147, Building Safety, Engineering and Environmental Departments, Business License, Center to Take Action Upon Application. Section 46-2-148, Posting Required, Non-Transferable. Section 46-2-149, Expiration Date and Renewal Requirements. And Section 46-2-150, sus Suspension, uh, Rotation and Denial of Renewal to provide to regulation of licensing of towing yards in the city of Detroit. 
Attorney Long, I will turn it over to you before handing it over to Member Durham. Thank you, Madam Chair. This in the entire proposed ordinance that's before you is an addition under the area of towing. It pertains specifically to towing service storage yards, so a very discreet area of towing. And like we had discussed in our previous um, public uh, hearing, it's divided into two areas generally, which identifies how you have to maintain your property. It's a fence or wall again. Um, they're going to look familiar when Member Durhal uh, does his walkthrough. And then the second portion of that pertains to licensing, and it's going to be identical to what's been before you. Um, I have nothing further to add. Thank you, Attorney Long. Uh, Member Durhal. Thank you, Madam Chair, and I'll be very brief. Uh, it will mirror some of the previous ordinances relative uh, to uh, the code. Uh, this ordinance requires, uh, though, that a towing service yard uh, follow uh, the following. It must be, mu it must, excuse me, it must be maintained or conducted on premises entirely enclosed except for the gates or doors for entering or exiting by a masonry wall, a wooden fence, or a metal fence. The conditions of the premises are generally uh, exterior must be painted at least once every two years. The supporting uprights of all fences shall be placed on the inside. No vehicles or other material of a towing service storage yard can lean or touch any wall or fence. It can't endanger a person using a highway or a street. Uh, can't use any street, sidewalk, or other parts of a public highway or any other property not designated within its business license, uh, license for storage or display. Uh, the ins inspection and certificates of approval uh, will also mandate that BCED uh, and the Environmental Department Business Licensing Center to review uh, its, it said to review its recurs and to refer the application to the director of uh, BCED Environmental Health Department and the fire marshal uh, for the inspection of the business. Before any license, BC will refer the application to the chief or a designee who shall do an investigation, same with the DPD investigation. Uh, if an application has been convicted of any offense during the past five years involving theft of property or other felonies such as fraud, embezzlement, dishonesty, or assault, uh, they'll be denied that license. And then investigation by the OCFO to confirm that there are no city taxes or assessment arrearages. Uh, and I believe uh, that also uh, they will be subject to surveillance as well. Thank you, Member Durhal. BC, anything to add before we go into some questions and our public comments? Deputy? No, ma'am. Okay. All right. Colleagues, are there any questions? Seeing none, we can now turn it over to our public comments. Ms. Duncan, how many hands do we have raised for this 10.30 a.m. public hearing? Madam Chair, at this time, there are four hands raised. Okay, whenever you're ready. The first caller is Carol Hughes. Good morning again, honorable body and panel. May I speak? Yes, you may. Carolyn Hughes, um, I asked in the last public hearing a question of Mr. Scott and you. I was totally ignored, and the question as well, about revenues and violations that were done. 
And I'm raising the same question about the C, the OCFO being uh, in charge of investigations. Will he do? Is he also in charge of the police investigations? We have an assessor's office. We also have an audit office. That seems to be a conflict, or there should be separation of duties in that. The police investigate crime, and the audit department and the assessor's department investigate. Is this um, related to this ordinance? Yes, it is, because part of the ordinance says this OCFO is supposed to investigate the uh, assessment of, of, of taxes. And we have a separation of duties, we should. And that doesn't appear to fall underneath the duty of an OCFO, just like in investigating crime is the uh, in charge of the police department. That is their charge. Um, this seems to be some type of um, um, fraud-ridden uh, things you're inserting in here because I've never known the OCFO to be in charge of investigating city taxes and arrangements. That should be a separate duty for that department. Thank you. Madam Chair, the next caller is Karen Winston. Yeah, hello? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I... Now I'm confused because first we said masonry walls and we didn't say anything about paint. And now we're saying um, a variety of uh, materials can be used. So I'm just a little confused now. Which one is it? Uh, you know, is it the masonry? And, and um, you know, so uh, that's, that's confusing. To me, it's just, you know, contradictory. And it's, you know, we should have plain language that's clear you know, that we don't have to try to figure which one is, um, you know, which part of these um, series of ordinances, you know, applies. You know, so that telling me I can have it wood or garage doors because that's exactly what they had up and down, um, what is that, Linden or Eaton. You know, they had gar garage doors stacked up, you know, and the cars were on top of each other. And, you know, it was like that for years and years and years. So. This must be a new ordinance because we definitely have had no, um, you know, no um, enforcement of anything uh, near what we're talking about here um, right now. So um, that that's pretty much the only thing. I just I'd like to know which one is correct. Can we have either or, or can the city have um, the planks and and uh, the business owners have to have masonry or it, does everybody, you know, everybody should be on the same um, level of responsibility of diligence. Thanks. Madam Chair, the next caller is Motor City Roof. Yeah, now again, uh, compliance with state laws, you know, the city charter is governed by uh, the Michigan State Constitution and the state laws apply. Now, this issue about the fees, the monies that's going to be coming from any um, fees that are going to be paid for licensing fees or uh, fines or whatever, and going up to the OC, OCFO's office, the chief financial officer of the city of Detroit. Well, I think that probably needs to be readdressed because we got the CFO, you know, committing fractional fraud when it comes to the bonds. Are they going to do the same thing with the towing? And is this towing issue, is this going to be something that's going to go in accordance? Because, you know, we got the Operation Northern Hook. 
it's they're related to the torn and we had the board of police commissioners uh chairman over there willie bill running the one person touring committee so touring is a big issue here in the city of detroit and i think it needs to be brought back and it needs to be a deep dive and some more teeth put into this ordinance you know i don't have none myself right now but we need some teeth into this ordinance that's going to allow for the fact that i know it was if a person has committed assault or fraud embezzlement things of that nature they can't get a license that should apply to all the people that's making the laws and the ordinance as well and in compliance with state law you know as it relates to these fees and this uh masonry wall and all that being put up and it, you know the bond issue the legal bonds has been issued and the cfo shouldn't be involved in this situation i don't think madam chair the next caller is nicholas Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, good morning, your uh, council. My name is Nicholas Bashan. I represent several towing companies in the city of Detroit and other various municipalities. Uh, through my uh, research, this has been the first time that the Detroit is trying to make a towing company actually obtain a business license. It seems to me that this is unneeded. And as the Towing Association has stated on many occasions, we're completely uh, against. Uh, the towing is regulated first by the state and it is we are currently already regulated in regards to our zoning and our land use for having a towing yards. Most of the things that you're doing, all towers already have to be in compliance with. The thing that is different is the licensing perspective. We've had towing in the city of Detroit for since we've had vehicles. And this is the first time that they're attempting when we're attempting to put business licensing in to have a tow yard to do towing which is prescribed under state laws specifically certain sections that control what a towing company can and can't do when towing a vehicle so it seems like it's another layer that is unnecessary as there are specific state laws that govern exactly what a towing company can and can't do and what the police can and can't do against the towing companies just ask that this Council, keep that in mind and take a look at that before just moving this along. Thank you. Madam Chair, that was the last public comment. Thank you, Ms. Duncan. So there were a number of questions that um, I believe are relevant and are we are able to answer now. Again, making our way backwards. Attorney Long, there were uh, to that last caller regarding uh, the Twin Association um any insights as to why we are adding this licensing um layer why it's necessary and what it's going to do for for the city thank you madam chair if i may defer to member Durhall as to why it's important i would mm -hmm. however like to identify that this license only relates to the towing service yard the storage yard it, it does not um regulate the issuance or the the uh, application of towing vehicles to the public. Generally, it has to do with where you're storing your vehicles, that yard itself. The regulation on this uh, particular ordinance, proposed ordinance, is fairly small. Um, having a fence um, or wall requirement, the conditions of the premises, and that, as we had discussed earlier, how your, how your um, business interacts with your neighbors the use of streets and sidewalks, you have to keep all of your all of your um, items inside the fence, right? And then it requires a recording surveillance system and then that general licensing provision. It is a fairly 
um, lightweight regulation as far as licensing is concerned. Um, and I would very be very happy to um, to defer to uh, your honorable colleague for the whys. Okay, Member Durhal. Thank you, Madam Chair. First, <clears throat> again, uh, as Attorney Long has stated, this is specifically for the tow yards. The other ordinances previous to this were for junkyards, scrapyards, and other entities. This is specifically for the tow yards. Second, I would respectfully uh, disagree that I believe this is very necessary, that when you uh, have a tow yard and you store, uh, whether that's vehicles that have been taken or whatnot, there needs to be some regulation on how you store them uh, to ensure that they are environmentally safe within our communities where residents live. Uh, and so I would respectfully disagree uh, with the caller on that, uh, stating that this is not different than any place that stores, or in what we're talking about storage, it's not different uh, relative to these requirements as Attorney Long has already articulated. This is a little bit more lightweight than the other entities. Uh, what I will state relative to the fences specifically are that, again, this is a different entity from the other stores or junkyards and that keep scrap metal that may have debris flying around. Uh, and so under the code, under the charter, under this regulation, you can have a metal fence. You can have a wooden fence or a masonry wall. Uh, and so that is already uh, there within the charter and, and we're putting it there. We're stating that if you have one of these fences, you need to paint it every two years because that also provides an eyesore. I can go into many uh, tow yards that may exist, whether uh, in my district or other districts around the city of Detroit, and they look like, uh, and, and I never get this animated, but they look like an episode of Sanford and Sons, uh, where the fence has not been painted in years. Uh, there is trash and debris all over. Uh, and so we want to ensure that our neighborhoods, our neighbors, uh, and our residents get the type of businesses that they have in other cities and municipalities where they keep their uh, businesses up. There's no excuse for that. And so uh, that is why, you know, we're putting that teeth in there. It may not be enough teeth, uh, uh, but for now, uh, looking at that, we want to ensure that, guess what, there's no eyesores, that folks are operating in the correct way. Uh, and ensuring that they're doing it environmentally safe. Furthermore, uh, some of the mandates are nothing that are new, and, and we have said this a couple times, we want to comply with state law. There are state laws on the books, uh, but we have to ensure that our charter reflects that uh, and ensure that we're doing and, and we're falling in line uh, under that. So the investigation is by uh, the chief of police relative to uh, um, if there are any convictions, the chief of police, not the OCFO, is not investigating the criminal record uh, of the applicant for the license. Again, that inf involves theft uh, for property uh, and felonies such as fraud, embezzlement, dishonesty, uh, or assault. The OCFO, again, for the record, uh, is the entity that deals with the finances for the city of Detroit. Uh, so they will ensure that there is no, through their offices, utilizing other departments within the city of Detroit, they will ensure that there are no city tax or arrearages owed. Finally, I believe Mr. Jones has already articulated that fines that come in from these violations will go to the general fund of the city of Detroit. Thank you, Member Durhal. I'll turn you along. Madam Chair. If I may please just add one portion that I think gets talked around. Um, in our, our watching public may not be aware of. 
that the city is limited to charging for um, inspection fees and licensing fees, what it costs in order to issue those, um, those inspections or those licenses. It cannot be a money-making venture. Um, and so the idea that we're getting these inspection fees and we should be able to put them someplace or the general fund is, is somehow um, being benefited from that would be erroneous. Okay. Um, because if Kevin sends his people out and they're going to um, do an inspection or they're going to issue a license, what we can charge for that fee is the expenditure of the city itself. So when it goes back into the general fund, then that's reallocated to the, the departments that need to utilize it. And I just want to make sure that was clear for the public as well. Thank you, Attorney Long. There were really just two questions um, that I heard that are remaining. Uh, Mr. Jones, I'm not sure if you can just clarify the differences between the walls and why we hear for this ordinance that it can be a, a chain link fence or wooden or brick. If you can just explain the difference for the public. Sure, sure, through the chair. And, and if I may, just for clarity purpose, because it is a, a an important uh, aspect when it comes to the fees and fines, uh, just for clarity, uh, all license fees uh, do go to the general fund. Uh, if there is a ticket issued, our investigators issue misdemeanor violations, then the judge, as mentioned earlier, that $500 fine, that's at the discretion of the judge, and those fees or fines do not come um, directly to buildings and safety. Again, that is imposed by the court, so that's a, a separate thing. And then there are inspection fees, uh, be it the fire department, buildings and safety. Those do not go to the general fund. That would that would be a, a fire uh, fee, or that would be a a property maintenance fee. But the business license fees itself are a general fund. Uh, just for clarity there um as it pertains to the wall and again this our discussion right now is with respect to the tow yards and and i am reading uh right from the tow yard ordinance now it does uh, i'm trying to pull it up here i think it does state that it can be a i have no jurisdiction this is not my jurisdiction this is a um <clears throat> something that is enforced by our property maintenance division mm. um but it does read that it can be a masonry wall or a fence i'm, I'm struggling to pull it up here to read directly from it my apologies uh, one so, so madam chair may i may i interject while mr jones is looking for that yes deputy Okay, so when you look at section 46-2-31 that says fence or walls required, it does reference section 50-12-352, which is our zoning portion of the ordinance. And so this is what the uh, tow yards would have to would have to comply with, which indicates that they would need a masonry wall not less than six feet. So the requirement for tow yards there are masonry walls, not less than six feet. Again, that's section 50-12-352 of this code uh, stated as towing service storage yards. It's there in black and white. Thank you. Thank you, Deputy. And I understand where the public is coming from. We're discussing a lot of different ordinance today that 
impacts different kinds of storage yards. Uh, so be seated if you wouldn't mind. Um, if and when these are approved, I have seen in the past, you do a very quick infographic that says, you know, even residence fences and, and what our ordinances are. Um, as we roll this out, will there be any public education for, for, the, for the public to know the differences, what the requirements are, um, just to minimize any kind of confusion? Uh, yeah, Madam Chair, we can certainly put something like that together. We will work with the zoning uh, division as well as property maintenance. As Mr. Jones indicated, property maintenance does the enforcement aspect of this. And then zoning, of course, could assist us in making sure that uh, the general public is educated, sort of the same type of um, uh, public outreach activities that we did prior to these coming to your honorable body. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. My The only other question that I, I, I heard remaining, um, really when it comes to the OCFO and, and, and police investigation and who's doing what, what I'm hearing is just concern of fraud. Um, so Attorney Long, can you uh, share with the public, because we do have protections of, of fraud as a city. Um, are you able to share if there was a concern of fraud, um, what kind of protections the city would be able to have, um, or should we be worried at all regarding fraud and, and the OCFO? Um, really doing their work in, in ensuring that these companies are, are in good standing. If I may um, indicate that the, the enactment of this particular ordinance, as in the enactment of our other licensing provisions, puts a specific duty on the OCFO, just like it does on the police department, to carry out a duty. Um, there are internal audits, there's mm -hmm. internal checks mm -hmm. um, that are done within the city. Um, if a license goes through and the OCFO hasn't provided it or it's not signed by the right people, um, BC is going to know that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we do have internal checks mm -hmm. to ensure that every person is doing the job they're supposed to do. And, and again, the OCFO is the umbrella office of many financial offices. So it will be the individuals who are closer to that type of work, closer to property taxes, closer to, to income taxes, that would be doing that search. And so because there are so many eyes on it, um, it, it would be much more um, challenging to, uh, to defraud um, somebody or to, to get a license you weren't supposed to get. And I would propose that's the reason why that this honorable body enacted the statute in our code in the first place, um, so that it wouldn't be one entity doing everything, but there were checks and ba balances internally um, to ensure that, that um, bad conduct is minimized. Thank you, attorney. Yes, ma'am. Colleagues, are there any other questions? Hearing none, is there a motion to approve to send to formal with the recommendation to approve? Motion. Are there any objections? Hearing none, this ordinance will be sent to formal session with the recommendation to approve. And we'll now close out our 10.30 a.m. public hearing. And would like to call our 10.40 a.m. public hearing. 
Our 10.40 a.m. public hearing is to amend Chapter 9 of the 2019 Detroit City Code car washes by renaming the chapter from car washes to car washes and motor vehicle services by dividing the chapter into two divisions with Division 1 generally containing an amended Section 9-1-1 definition and amended Section 9-1-3 responsibility of owner or operator and the amended Section 9-1-4 hours of operation and by adding Division 2 Motor Vehicle Service Business to include Subdivision A, generally containing Section 9-1-21, enclosed building fence or wall required, Section 9-1-22, conditions of premises generally, Section 9-1-23, use of streets, sidewalks, other parts of public highways, and non-designated property Pro, uh, prohibited and to include subdivision B license to include section 9-1-31 required section 9-1-32 application information required section 9-1-33 establishments approval publication and payments of annual fee section 9-1-34 inspection and certification of approval land use construction requirements maintenance Fire Protection and Safety and Health and Sanitation Requirements, Section 9-1-35, Investigation by Police Department Required to Confirm Non-Conviction of Certain Crimes, Section 9-1-36, investigation, investigation by Office of Chief Financial Officer Required to Confirm No City Tax or Assessment Arrearage, Section 9-1-37, Building Safety Engineering and Environmental Department Business License Center to take action upon application, Section 9-1-38, Posting Required, Non-Transferable, Section 9-1-39, Expiration and Renewal Requirements, and Section 9-1-40, Suspension, Revocation, or Denial of Renewal to require that all car washes and motor vehicle services businesses that do business in the city of Detroit are regulated and are required to have a city business license. With that, Attorney Long. Thank you, Madam Chair. In this final of the four pack of ordinances is before you right now. Um, we, we are proposing to add motor vehicle service regulation and licensing in addition to car washes. Car washes already exist. Our code is alphabetical. This made the most sense on where it would go. So the proposed uh, change is uh, car washes and motor vehicle service. Motor vehicle service is an umbrella term for three different types of motor vehicle uh, repair. Um, and those are all in the definitions. In addition to that, it provides for licensing for these types of businesses. Um, and, and I believe Member Durhal will have much more to add. Member Durhal. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, and, and this one, we're adding, as Attorney Long articulated, motor vehicle services. There are many different type of businesses that fall under that. Car, uh, car washes, again, uh, as she stated, is already in the ordinance. But this, as the motor vehicle services, which falls under these categories, uh, light-duty vehicle repair establishment, <clears throat> meaning that it performs substantial repairs of vehicles with gross vehicle weight ratings up to 10,000 pounds, typically requiring overnight storage of such vehicles. Light-duty vehicle service establishment up to 10,000 pounds on a same-day basis performs routine maintenance and other limited services for vehicles with gross weight uh, ratings of up to 10,000 pounds. 
medium slash heavy duty heavy duty vehicles uh, or equipment repair establishments. Uh, those establishments perform service or repair of vehicles with gross vehicle rate, uh, weight ratings over over ten thousand pounds, uh, whether it's the same day of, uh, or overnight. Uh, this would also add rules uh, to motor motor vehicle services uh, and their businesses as follows: uh, All businesses must be conducted entirely inside. Um, again, I, I want to go and articulate. We get calls from residents all the time saying, "Hey, they're working on cars in the middle of the street. Uh, they're working on cars on the sidewalk." Uh, this, I can't uh, articulate more. Uh, how this provides an environmental risk to residents. Uh, vehicles have oil, gasoline, uh, other types of things that are uh, not good for the environment or health. Uh, and so we want to ensure that they are conducting their business inside. Um, another rule, all open storage of vehicles awaiting repair shall be enclosed by an opaque wall of masonry construction that is six feet in height and maintained in a neat and orderly fashion. So these, again, when you see all these cars lined up down the street, uh, you know, we, if you're, if they're awaiting repairs, you have to find a way to enclose these vehicles. Uh, so they are not just lined up all the way. Uh, auto parts can't be piled up that would endanger a person. Uh, we've been to facilities before and see that there are auto parts that are lined up that are either stacked too high that could fall on someone or they're just all over the place. Uh, so we want to ensure that folks are operating the, in the correct way. Uh, auto parts can't be piled along any street or highway. So uh, if you operate a business, you can't keep uh, all the mufflers on the side uh, of the street. Uh, or or interfere with the highway. The shelves or bins can't exceed the height of the fence, meaning that what you're stacking cannot be higher than what the fence is. Uh, the exterior of the fence must be painted at, uh, at least once every two years. Again, we talked about beautification. We throw that word around a lot here in the city of Detroit. We want to make sure our businesses are doing the, their, their job and their part to ensure that their businesses reflect what our residents want to see. Uh, and then on the premises of the motor vehicle service, uh, the business uh, must be arranged that when law enforcement comes to inspect, it has to be walkable. Uh, you can't have things laying all over the place that will pre uh, present a danger to inspectors or law enforcement, uh, and you want to keep everything neat. Uh, there's a part, section 9-1-23, again, talks about the use of street sidewalks and other public uh, highways and non-designated property. Uh, again, you cannot use the street sidewalk and parts of the highway that are not designated within your business license for service, uh, service repair, storage, or display of vehicles or any commodity, uh, commodities. This means that you cannot do work on a sidewalk or enc uh, encroaching on the city streets. We want to make sure that we spell that out plainly. Uh, you cannot do work on a sidewalk or encroach on city streets. Section 9-1-34, inspection and certification of approval in the land use, construction requirements, maintenance, fire protection, and safety and health and sanitation requirements. Again, the applicant must have completed inspections by BC, the fire department, the health department to ensure that the applicant is in full compliance. 
Uh, finally, Section 9-1-35, again, we talk about the investigations relative to DPD, ensuring that this person has no non-convictions of those certain crimes that we have mentioned before. And again, just like the other ordinances, there has to be an investigation by the OCFO to require there are no city taxes or assessment arrearages. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Durhal. Do you see anything to add before we get into some questions from my colleagues and um, from the public? No, ma'am. Okay, thank you both. Colleagues, any questions? Yes, Vice Chair. What's the enforcement mechanism here as far as uh, fines, fees, things of that nature? Not fees, but fines for noncompliance. Mr. Jones? Yes, through the chair to Councilmember Benson, uh, from an enforcement standpoint, um, again, there are the requisite inspections that are that need to be conducted by Fire Health uh, and BCED, a license to be procured once all of those have been achieved. In the event that has not happened, uh, there's multiple arms of enforcement. Our licensed investigators uh, obviously are equipped with the ability to, to enforce the, uh, or issue misdemeanor violations for operating without a business license. As mentioned earlier, these are uh, at the discretion of the court. Uh, these are $500 fines or up to 90 days imprisonment. Um, in the event that we do not or cannot establish uh, compliance through multiple attempts of warnings or tickets, uh, we always have the show cause uh, route that you're familiar with, where the city has the um, the ability to bring a business before an independent hearing officer. Uh, the city brings forward its case. Uh, the business is present and um, the attempt or the effort there is always to lay out to a business owner that, hey, this is what the city has been noticing here. What can we do to rectify it? Uh, we always want to give a chance to come into compliance. And if we are unable to do so, uh, the city has the ability, to, obviously, to suspend, revoke or deny a business license. Um, all of the requisite departments who issue uh, clearances to my office also have the ability to say to me that, Kevin, these are the issues that we're experiencing there, be it the, the police department, fire department, uh, health department, or, or OFCL office as well. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Vice Chair. Are there any other questions from my colleagues? If not, we can now turn it over to our public comments for our 10.40 a.m. public hearing. Everyone, again, will have a minute and a half. Ms. Duncan, how many hands do we have raised? Madam Chair, there are currently three hands raised. Okay, and we will now cut off our public comment for this public hearing whenever you're ready, Ms. Duncan. Yep, the, the first caller is Carol Hughes. Uh, good morning, uh, honorable body and panel. My name is Carolyn Hughes. May I speak? Yes, you may. Um, I am lodging the same complaint um, that I lodged in the other actions that you are taking. But my, my question is if the OCFO is the financial arm to uh, in, initiate investigation for taxing and assessors, 
um, why not for the DPD? Why wouldn't they be involved? And my second question is, how would he it trigger an investigation? How is a, an investigation triggered? And can you tell me how often uh, does he does the OCFO review every city tax and assessment arrangement, or is it just in this particular? Um, this particular area, or is that everyone? Because I, I still have a, um, a problem with uh, um, separation of duties in this whole, this whole uh, OCFO being in charge of investigating something. Fraud could occur long before it got to the uh, OCFO. That's just one office. Uh, they have several. So the office that uh, appears to be the, the investigating office should be a taxing agency or an assessor audit agency and we we do have those departments and that would be a separation of duty between OCFO and licensing um, thank you I would like to have my questions answered by you know the uh, OCFO office thank you the next caller is Karen Winston huh yes we can hear Hello? you okay great um, uh, I think we, we're all confused because we're not sitting looking, necessarily looking at what you guys are reading. And it kind of gets, you know, it, it gets confused because I could have sworn I heard Mr. Durhall say something exactly opposite than we were explained by the uh, BC individual. But uh, so this is a motor vehicle services. Is this, uh, hopefully this will include um, the bicycles um you know, that have the electric um, kick-in motors and things like that, and the ones that, um, you know, those scooters and things, because, you know, we still don't have any, um, any um, you know, ordinances that control those scooters and things. You know, they get strewn all around. It seems like this could be something because it says services, and I think I heard someone say it's a variety, you know, which I don't know what that necessarily entails, but it's a, a variety of different you know, um, things that are rolled up into this, um, you know, and I'm glad to see the uh, city being cleaner because it definitely has been pretty much a dump, um, you know, for the last few years. So the car washes are going to have to have um, things and, and the, I guess the car repair people are going to have to have things and so they can't stack their things. This is what I'm hearing, but I'd like to hear something about these bikes and like I say, the scooters and you know, because we got a lot more older people in this city than we do scooter riders and bike riders. Thanks. The next caller is Motor City Rue. And just uh, to bring it back home again, state law, as long as everything is in accordance with state law and, you know, the OCFO is fine, as long as it's in accordance with state law, but if, and I have a question, am I hearing this correct that uh, one of these service owners, uh, motor vehicle services owners could not have been convicted of an assault? And now is this just for uh, operators that are doing business with the city or is it all of them um, that are in the city? And does this uh, same rule apply to city employees about these, uh, Convictions. I mean, you know, is it what extent is somebody say the public works department or general services department as well? Because I'm, it's kind of cloudy 
to me, I mean, Patty, I know this is specifically related to uh, the car washes and the motor vehicle services. Does this extend to employees as well, or is it just the actual um, license holder? And then, of course, you know, with the uh, CFO being involved in this factional fraud and the, um, this bond, illegal bond issuance, I would think that uh, does it apply to the CFO himself? Since he's involved in this whole scenario, I mean, he's policing the car washes and the motor vehicle services. Does it apply to him as well? The next caller, Madam Chair, is Marguerite Maddox. Good morning again. Um, I've been being being Telling you guys about people leaving scooters in in the middle of the sidewalks and I have a problem with sitting with City vehicles pop, pop, um, the crossed rocks and, and people, people use those electric bikes need to be in the streets, not on the sidewalk. And, and the city vehicles, including sheriff department cars, Police cars and city official cars need to be regulated, even even if they if if it is an emergency. I can see that, but how are they Help me, help me understand that part. Thank you, I'm done. Thank you, Ms. Maddox. I do believe that was our last caller. As it relates to scooters, that is not relevant to this conversation, but I do believe Member Calloway is working on ordinance to regulate scooters. So do tune in for further conversations around scooters and regulating them on our streets. Thank you for bringing up that question and the importance of us to continue to do that work. Um, there were a number of questions again regarding the OCFO's office um, and regarding 
Um, a different question that I heard was if employees involved in these companies are also going to be in the investigated for, for further crimes or potential crimes. Uh, Member Durhal, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Madam Chair. And again, this is for the, those regulations are relative to the person who is applying for the license for the business. Does not limit who they can hire, who they can employ. I can uh, assure you as the chair of the Returning Citizens Task Force, I would not support a ordinance uh, that would limit the employment for those who have been convicted of a felony or a misdemeanor. Uh, but to this relative to licensing, they want to ensure that that business owner is operating in great faith and not nefariously, and those are relative to the licensee. So that, that answers that question. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Durhal. I'll turn you along. Anything else to add? There were a number of questions regarding the OCFO's office. Um, I, I believe we we explained how it works, um, mechanisms for um, checks and balances, but do you have any other comments to add to, to the number of questions that we've received? I believe there was one additional question, Madam Chair, as to the timing. In the requirements that are contained within the licensing provision are part of not only the initial application, but the yearly renewal. Um, so this, the, the check with the police, the check with the OCFO, this wouldn't happen um, randomly, and it wouldn't happen once and then go many, many years without happening. This is part of ensuring that the individual businesses within the city are also being good corp corporate neighbors, mm -hmm. um, and that they're uh, providing the, the, um, what they're supposed to under the law to the city. Um, so I think that was the only additional question that I had heard. Thank you, Attorney Long. BC, do you have anything else to add? Um, Mr. Jones. Yes, thank you. Through the chair, I just want to re-emphasize, uh, yes, that it is not a random check. This is an annual uh, renewal, and that uh, process of the investigations by the Detroit Police Department, as well as any other uh, requisite clearance, is initiated by our office 120 days in advance of that license expiration date. Thank you. Colleagues, are there any other questions? Hearing none, just want to add uh, regarding scooters, we are going to have a public hearing on February 20th. So there is going to be a public hearing regarding scooters on February 20th. But if there are no other questions regarding our 1040 a.m. public hearing for this ordinance, is there a motion to approve and to send to formal with the recommendation to approve? Are there any objections? Hearing none, we'll be sending this ordinance to formal with the recommend, uh, to, to, to formal session with the recommendation to approve. With that, I will now close out our 10.40 a.m. public hearing, which brings us to our very last public hearing for this morning. I would now like to call our 10.50 a.m. public hearing. And this is to amend Chapter 8 of the, two, of the 2019 Detroit City Code, Building Construction and Property Maintenance, Article 9, Property Maintenance Code by amending Section 8-15-11, Civil Fines for Violation of Article, and Section 8-15-49, Cost of Abatement, Collection of Cost for City Abatement of Public Nuances, to provide for increased fines for noncompliance and to identify collection methods to be used by the city for unpaid costs of abatements. Attorney Long, I defer to you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, before um, sending to Member Durhall for his, for his um, statements, I want to 
be clear mm -hmm. that this ordinance is not related to what I consider the moratorium ordinances. Correct. And I regret filing them all at the same time um, because I think that they've been conflated uh, with each other. Um, mm -hmm. so, so this is an enforcement matter. And hopefully Jessica Parker um, can be pulled up to the screen. She's the en enforcement part of BCED. Uh, and is the individual uh, with whom I have largely been working, in addition to, of course, my Roger Hall staff. And what I recommend, or what I recall from our prior conversations, had to do with the lien provision on this particular ordinance. Mm -hmm. um, and, and rather than recite things, I want to ensure there was a, a privilege and confidential communication that went out in mid-December from Chuck Ramey on this particular matter. And I think uh, review and remembrance of that um, that communication may aid in our discussion of today's of today's um, ordinance. I apologize. It's been a lot of talking, and I'm not accustomed to this much talking. So if I, I restate things again, I'm going to just apologize now. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. What this ordinance at its base does is it provides a penalty um, in the portion of the ordinance. Um, it talks about fines. There's a subsection three, and that's failure to provide proper notice or notarized statement in accordance with the recipients of uh, requirements of 81525 of this code. And it adds a, a provision there that's higher than the $50 provision, which is the general catch all. So that's one portion of it. And I'm sure Ms. Parker would be able to elaborate on that a little further. The other part of this ordinance, separately, is it allows the city to recover the cost of abatement. And what is set forth is a way of recovering that cost. And then, Member Durhal, I think I will turn the rest of it over to you, if I may, sir. Thank you, Attorney. Member Durhal. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, and it's been a very long day, so this is the, the last public hearing, and then uh, you will not have to hear any more uh, from us. Uh, but with this ordinance, uh, obviously, it artic our, our Attorney Long articulated what this does. Uh, but it also, you know, increases fines for noncompliance. Uh, and upon discussions um, uh, with colleagues relative to uh, this ordinance, I think there is more work that needs to be done. Uh, as Attorney Long has articulated, uh, that this is not wed to the other ordinances uh, and can be taken up at a later time. Uh, I cannot request a bring back. Uh, but I would hope that this committee, this honorable committee, would uh, consider bringing this uh, item back uh, so those discussions can come into, uh, or, or those suggestions uh, that I've heard from other colleagues uh, have the ability to come into fruition. Uh, but again, you know, I do want to articulate that we want to ensure uh, going forward that uh, residents' concerns are addressed uh, and that we are not causing any undue burden on our residents. Uh, but also holding uh, businesses uh, accountable, I think, is more important. I know Member Benson mentioned earlier relative to the fines uh, when we were talking about $500 relative to the fire marshal. Was that enough? Uh, I, I think an increase uh, in fines, not on our residents, uh, but businesses who are not compliant, who are not acting in good faith, uh, should happen. Uh, to ensure that we have some type of teeth in there to ensure that they remain compliant and let them know that we are serious uh, with this ordinance. Uh, the only apology uh, that matters is change behavior. 
uh, and in, to ensure that that change behavior, uh, change behavior happens, uh, we've got to have consequences uh, to let folks know that we are serious as a city about cleaning up our commercial corridors. We are city, are serious uh, here in our city about ensuring that our residents have clean air, clean water, clean grass, all of that, uh, clean soil. Uh, and so we want to make that statement, but more so than a statement, we want to to put that into law and, and hold folks accountable. And so uh, I would be hoping that uh, within the next uh, week or so uh, that we can have those um, discussions, that we can get some language relative to this. This is the amendment for Chapter 8. Uh, uh, hopefully we can get that language uh, and come up with an ordinance uh, that is not just uh, uh, beneficial uh, to ensuring that we uh, hold these businesses accountable but ensure that we're protecting our residents uh, when it's relative to blight and other offenses as well. Thank you, Madam President. Or Madam Chair. Sorry. Thank you, Member Durhall. No worries. Uh, Ms. Parker, if you wouldn't mind stating your name and title for the public and anything else that you would like to add? Yes, to the Chair, Jessica Parker, Chief Enforcement Officer for the Building Department. Uh, Member Durhall hit it on the head. It's exactly, he's exactly right. Accountability is what we're trying to bring to the city of Detroit, especially our business owners along the commercial corridor. Um, unfortunately, uh, for the ones that don't comply within the time frame given to them, if the city does have to step in and remediate the property, um, we want to make sure that we can recoup that cost. Um, we want to make sure that when we have our citizens here in the city of Detroit, when they're, when they are patronizing these different businesses, that they feel clean, they feel they feel that it's clean and it's safe. And the only way to do that is to um, issue these tickets. And then, if we have to take um, further enforcement actions, we have the ability to do so. Um, as far as the ticketing, um, the $500 ticket, in cases where there's not compliance, we do have the ability to issue a second round and a third round once it's adjudicated at DAH. Um, but just please know that this is a step for us to have a a um, hammer for the business owners that are not coming into compliance. And I do understand that there's a concern for the residential properties. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do want to continue to work on um, this ordinance. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Powers, if we bring this back, should we have public comments now or when we bring this back with more updates? Um, if we can bring this back and do public comments then, I think that would be better. Um, but just want to confirm with you what is possible to, to, to do. You should have public comment today. today? Okay. Um, and then it would be your option to do as to whether or not you do it then. The only thing I would add to that is if you bring it back as a continued public hearing, then this public comment period would take care of that. If it's going to come back as a brand new public hearing, then um, it would be as if it was just like today. Okay, a member Durhal. Madam Chair, and, and pardon me, uh, let me clarify my language. Uh, I, I, I would not be asking, uh, I cannot make the motion, so let me put that for the record, but I would not be asking for a bring back, but the ability to send this back as a line item uh, in committee so those discussions can occur. I know that if we ask for a bring back and a public hearing comes back and there are some substantive changes that need to happen within this ordinance, that will trigger another public hearing. Uh, so what I would be asking uh, for this honorable body to do is uh, send this back to committee as a line item so we can retake it up uh, when those uh, changes occur. Uh, and then at that point, another public hearing would happen, but within those substantive changes, it would uh, not 
make us have multiple, multiple public hearings just for the same issue based off of the changes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Durhal. Dr. Powers? Um, I just want to make sure I understood Mr. Durhal correctly when he said send it back to committee. Um, if this isn't ready, is it going anywhere? No. So it if it's not going anywhere, then, and Mr. Stevens can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that what you would do would be to simply um, have your public comment and then close this public hearing. And then you um, can bring back the line item whenever you wish. It's your agenda. You can list it as a line item whenever you wish. But perhaps I'm misunderstanding. That, that makes sense to me. I just wanted to get clarification of public comments because it stays here. We can, it, it'll stay here until we're ready, but just want to ensure that I can have public comment today and that would be enough for this, for this public hearing. Y yes, I, I'm just making the statement that um, it would be listed as a line item to be determined. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Thank you, everyone. Um, yes, Vice Chair. All right, thank you. Um, and if it stays here in committee, we had the public hearing today make changes which i understand will trigger another public hearing because it'll be substantive can we forego the reintroduction of the ordinance and just then schedule another public hearing or do we have do we have to reintroduce the ordinance again um attorney long or lpd through the chair was that with substantive changes is that what i heard yes with yeah. my answer would be yes then it would have to be reintroduced yes Okay. Okay. We can stay. We do our public. We do, we do this public hearing. It'll just have to be reintroduced. Okay. Um, great. Colleagues, do we have any questions regarding this? Oh, yes, I, Vice I just Chair. Want to make sure that we're clear. So today we are. So we have a public hearing that's been noticed. Mm -hmm. We're going to carry out that public hearing. Mm -hmm. We have a request from the author of the ordinance to keep the ordinance here in committee. Mm -hmm. This ordinance, because it will, if we, to make the changes that have been requested by colleagues, will make sub substantive changes. That requires a new public hearing, mm -hmm. which at that time also requires it to be reintroduced. So today we are carrying out our public hearing requirement, but the, the expect expectation is that we will reintroduce this ordinance um, make changes, host another public hearing, and then hopefully send it to formal for uh, final approval by colleagues. Yes. That's, I want to make sure that was clear. That's yes. That's okay. how I understand it as well. Okay. Dr. Powers, and just for clarity, since it'll be reintroduced, we're going to have a new set of public comments. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a different ordinance that we have to discuss. Right. Yes. What I was just going to suggest that since this really isn't um, the, the, um, version that's going to have anything but changes made to it, um, it wouldn't seem to need a, a robust discussion about this. It's, it's just the courtesy of having the, well, it's a notice, so you have to have the public comment for mm -hmm. this public hearing. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Powers. Thank you, everyone. Again, teamwork. Um, with that, are there any questions from my colleagues regarding this ordinance before we turn it over to public comments? And knowing that a number of us will be working with Member Durhall to address the questions that we have. I know Member uh, Waters had questions around the lean. Um, colleagues seem to have other questions as well. But Vice Chair? So I do have a question. This is to the author and then to uh, BC. So it sounds like the primary purpose 
is to have a mechanism to recoup the cost of mitigation of blight along our commercial corridors as well as residential property. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Ms. Parker? To the, oh, I'm sorry, to the chair, yes, that is accurate. So what we wanna do is just be able to, if we're making the, if you refuse as a property owner to clean up your property, we send a GSD crew out there that we, like we've seen along our commercial corridors and have been doing a fantastic job, I must say, that we will now have a mechanism to recoup those costs. So it's not the city's general fund subsidizing the bad behavior of property owners. Yes, to the chair, exactly. You are correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Are there any other questions? If not, Ms. Duncan, and for the public, we can now turn into uh, turn over to our public comments. Please raise your hand now if you would like to make a public comments regarding this ordinance. And Ms. Duncan, whenever you're ready. Madam Chair, there are currently three hands raised for public comment, the first being Carol Hughes. Um, good afternoon, uh, honorable body and panel. My name is Carolyn Hughes, may I speak? Yes, you may. Um, it's, it's just kind of strange the disdain that you all hold for the public. I think the charter requires, and it says, shall encourage public uh, and uh, uh, to 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 participate in this entire thing. And I noticed that, you know, even though you have more nays than yays, you pass it on. But I don't think that's how public comment is supposed to be uh, taken. But you know, you take it the way you want to take it. Um, uh, Ms. Parker, you mentioned violations. Uh, can you tell me how much revenue and how many tickets and, viola and violations were written for uh, Division or District 7 um, when um, the, the, your employee, I guess you're the enforcer from BSAID, said he went up and down the quarter for like two years. I want to know how many violations were written, and we had several businesses that were operating without license. I want to know how much revenue did we make in all of that. And Mr. Benson just mentioned they were cleaning up the commercial corridor. How many tickets were given up and down the commercial corridor that is being cleaned now? What kind of revenue is being generated? Because you surely don't believe that you're the first to write ordinances for blight. You are not, and so we already have ordinances, and so we assume people were out of compliance. So how much revenue did we make? And no, I don't think this ordinance should in, in, entertain residents at all, just commercial. That's what's making the city look bad. Thank you. The next caller is Karen Winston. Yep, hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, uh, are we using city attorneys? Um, I mean, city workers, or are we hiring um, law firms to, to um, litigate, adjudicate these, um, uh, you know, these uh, blight or whatever, all of these uh, ordinance violations? I mean, how are we paying for that? Are we paying for it with um, city um, employees or, like I said, contractors? Uh, the other thing is uh, the Detroit Land Bank 
authority. Now, at the uh, onset, before um, you know, we even really got going good uh, in coalition uh, progress, uh, and we gave it to uh, uh, the demo department, which didn't really change anything, just put a different person in the lead of that. But what Ms. Count said was, if we have to, um, you know, to uh, take care, uh, we're not going to be able to get as many cuts. So that means that those properties are going to be blighted. Now, are we going to sanction um, the Detroit Land Bank properties? Because those are, it's a lot of those properties um, that are constantly blighted. I don't care when you board them up or whatever, you know, they're blighted again and again and again. So um, are we going to, like I said, go after these um, uh, discrete, um, what we call it discrete component units that constantly violate um, the uh, blight, you know, cause the blight by not you know, rehabbing the properties. I hope you go after them too. Thanks. The next caller is over with. Now, in relation to this hearing I just held, heard about this ordinance that was just held, you know, the substantive matter of this ordinance that's going to be put forth. Um, Ms. Jessica Parker, um, BC, uh, is you executive management team at BC previously, or I don't know what your position is now, but I, I, there was a complaint filed regarding a blight issue, and it was in your office, and when I came down to get a copy of the complaint, you told me that I first, before I received the copy, I had to first uh, say that acknowledged that BC had did a great job. And then I filed a complaint against you with David Bell. And he said that you said that you never said that. Now, this ain't just so, a, a definition of the... Just want to remind you that right now we're discussing this ordinance and just want to make sure that we're sticking to this the conversation. The calling the kettle black. That's... Well, I'm... Madam Chair, do you wish for him to continue with public comment? Um, if it's only if it's relevant to this conversation, um, which did not seem to to, to be. Um, uh, well, Miss um, Miss uh, Romero, can I have my time back? Because it was on the issue, and that's what I was saying. If you're passing ordinances, and this is you can just related. Continue from here. This. What about the other ten seconds that was gone because you? kept muting me. Okay, I, if you pass an ordinance relating to blight issues, and then I uh, know, have knowledge, and I'm saying this, this is a definition of the the pot calling the kettle black. If you pass an ordinance and putting restrictions on people, but it's not applying to the city when the city has got people in the city committing fraud. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for calling in. Ms. Duncan, was that our last caller? Yes, Madam Chair. Thank you. So there were a few questions, I believe a majority of them um, for you, Ms. Parker, regarding um, how we're going to be regulating. There's a question about revenues, which I'm um, not sure if you have the answer to that or if it's really that relevant for now for this discussion, but um, I will turn it over to you to answer any relevant questions that you heard from our public commenters. Thank you to the chair. Um, one of the questions I did hear, how many violations um, tickets were issued, how many violations were noted, and revenue collection. Um, I did provide a report to the Don 
as far as how many tickets that have been issued for blighted conditions, um, commercial properties along the corridors. Um, that report was from 2020 to current. Um, I think the caller asked specifically for District 7. So I do have that report for all districts and I can forward that to this honorable body. Um, as far as collections, I would have to um, speak to my colleague in DAH to see if we have a, an exact amount as far as collections um, collected for those tickets that were issued. Because again, tickets that are issued, those are fines and that's collected in DAH. Um, the other question, are we using city workers and vendors or vendors to remove the blight? Um, General Services Department is responsible for removing the blight along the commercial corridors once that ticket is issued. And I do believe they do use city workers and a contractor depending on the um, violation. Um, the other question I heard was DOBA. Um, what is their process as far as remediation? I know that they do have a process um, for cleaning up their own properties, but I will refer to them to um, speak to that exact process at that time, at this time. Um, that was the only three questions I heard, and I believe I answered them to the chair. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Parker. And yes, we would like to see that information if you're able to forward it um, to our offices. Um, Member Durholm. Thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> I would just like to uh, thank everyone for their indulgence today, and thank you, Madam Chair, for taking up these issues uh, in these five public hearings. I know that is tough uh, as a chair of a committee, so I appreciate that, and I'd like to thank my colleagues for their support on the ordinances that we've sent to formal as well. I'd be remiss if I did not thank uh, the law department, Attorney Long, as well as BC for their hard work on all of these ordinances. So I didn't want to miss the opportunity to say that and thank you for allowing me to be uh, present and speak uh, in the committee today. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yes, thank you, Member Durhall, our subject experts for today. Um, Attorney Long, would you like to add anything else regarding any of the questions um, or anything regarding this ordinance before we close out our public hearing? I have nothing to add, Madam Chair. Okay, thank you. Colleagues, anything else? Yes, Vice Chair. I just want to thank Member Durhall for being here for two and a half hours with us today. Really appreciate <laughs> you sir. and your presence. Um, and I do just want to address one of the uh, callers. When we talk about uh, blight in our neighborhoods, and I really want to thank uh, BC for their enforcement efforts here as well. And so if I just walk down my street um, about a mile, I will pass two impromptu junkyards. I live on a single, I live in a single family neighborhood, zoned R1. I did not purchase a house to live next to a junkyard. If I lived, if I purchased a home along a major corridor or in an industrial zone district, but it also means not just myself, but my bosses, my constituents, uh, my neighbors are also living next to impromptu junkyards. It's unfair. Junkyards with trash cars on blocks in the in the lawn area with a a uh, dilapidated fence that gets erected, it falls over because it's not properly maintained. Um, you have vermin that habitate these and then spawn and go off into other neighbors' homes. There are people who are creating undesirable, unhealthy, and dangerous habitats within our neighborhoods. This type of ordinance, I believe, will help to address that. And, I, and I'm, I'm supportive of enforcing along our corridors as well as our neighborhoods I've made it very clear my caveats to that, and I'm looking forward to working with this, and I volunteer my time to help think this through to get to a space where we can all make sure this happens and we're able to enforce on that. Because to me, that is terrible. It's extraordinarily selfish. And you are now creating an environment 
which is one of the reasons that people don't want to live in our city. If we want to create an environment where people want to live, work, play, worship, and prosper, and locate and raise their families, it has to have the basics of safety. And putting a junkyard in someone's neighborhood is beyond the pale. And yet it's done and it seems to be allowed. This type of legislation and policy will help eliminate and alleviate that. And I'm really looking forward to these conversations. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. My only other question, and I know we had a few minutes discussing this, um, we're gonna close out this public hearing, but if we're gonna see a reintroduction, Member Dirk Hall should, or Dr. Power, should this be removed? If there's gonna be no action taken on this ordinance and we're gonna see a reintroduction in the future? This ordinance, as it stands, is not going to come back. Correct. Correct. Okay, so if you just close out the public hearing. That is satisfies that this one That would satisfy okay. this. Now, in terms of the future line item, mm -hmm. you can also make the statement that, you know, the, the amended okay. uh, ordinance will come back at, to be determined um, as a line item, and then it can be worked on if that's really what you're asking. Just wanted to check about anything moving forward with this line item. So, well, okay, thank you, Dr. Powers. With that, I will now close our 10.50 a.m. public hearing. And we don't need a motion or anything. It can just stay in committee. All right, correct? I need one of my colleagues to make a motion. For, to, you're not doing anything with correct. this here. So it, it's, it's done, it's closed. Perfect, it's thank you. Finished. Just wanna confirm. <laughs> been a lot of discussion around that. Thank you. Thank you, Member Der Hall. Thank you, everybody. I will be giving us five minutes, folks, a five-minute break. Um, when we come back, we will go through the rest of our agenda rather quickly. There's not much left, um, but I'm going to give us a five-minute break. Uh, so we are on recess at the call of the chair. We'll come back. So sorry. We'll come back at 1240. So we're recessed until 1240. Mm -hmm.